Human interviews are all about capturing people's diverse passions and special skill sets. Bob Garlick and Andrew McGivern chat with local and international specialists to find out what they do and why they do it. Hey everybody, Bob here again. I've got my buddy Andrew on the other side of Skype. And uh, we've got an interesting guest for us today. Andrew, who do we got? We've got Todd Maffin here, and he is a maven in the true sense of the word. He's the president and and CEO of Engage Q, a digital marketing and training consulting firm, national technology columnist for CBC. He's the author of three books and speaks to more than 40 conferences around the world each year. And founder and CEO of Mindful Eye, a multi-million dollar artificial intelligence firm. Wow. His name's Todd Maffin, and he's here on Maven Interviews. Hey, Todd, I didn't know Hi, you guys. were such a special dude. <laughs> I love it when people read the intro my mom wrote for them. Uh, <laughs> and he makes great cookies. I have to say, though, just in the interest of uh, transparency, the mindful eye that you heard about there that you that you read uh, was a company. It was a dot-com company. Sadly, does not exist anymore. It was caught up in the dot-com boom. But for one brief shining moment, myself and uh, four of our partners were worth about $10 million on paper. We awesome. never actually got the money for real. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's well, you know, it's it's cool because you still got the experience of building something like that, right? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, I invested all the forty dollars into it for a color business plan printing at Kinko's, and I I learned far more than you get at an MBA program. Oh, absolutely, Todd. What have you been doing recently? I hear you've been you've got a boot camp or something coming up. Yeah, you know, summer's sort of a slow time for people who do uh, on the speaking circuit because there's not a lot of conferences. So I've always got a couple of projects to keep me off the street and keep my cats fed. Um, <laughs> working on a, a book with uh, co-author Mark Blevis at Full Duplex in Ottawa. So he and I are chugging away, uh, sharing Evernote shared folders to write our chapters, and then we're getting together to, to write some more in Winnipeg. So that's cool. Um, and then every year I do this thing called um, uh, summer school, but without the lousy exams that you remember from high school, summer school. And uh, this year, it's all about Facebook advertising. It's going to be a Facebook advertising intensive. So um, uh, it's, it's, it's not one of these, you know, there's a lot of people who sort of sell these like, you know, you pay three or 400 bucks and you, you get four videos. Um, this is a, a, lot, a lot more reasonable in price. And it's um, live lessons with me. So Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 in the morning through August, we take it step by step through all everything you need to know to build an ROI campaign in Facebook, extend your ad budget, uh, reach more people for, for almost no cost at all. And, um, and I'm, you know, we were talking just off mic that um, I would be happy to extend if you guys want a, a special discount just for your listeners. Yeah, let's do that. It sounds great. Okay, so the address to go to it for, for just information, if you want to see what the curriculum is like and everything, it's facebooksummerschool.com. And when you go um, uh, to register for it, make sure you look for the little thing that says use a promotional code and put the word MAVEN in there and you will get 20% off. And don't share that around. That's only for people of this podcast. So facebooksummerschool.com and use MAVEN as the uh, coupon code. That's awesome. And for all the people that listen to the show, you know, in a year, because that's, that's some of the nature of podcasts, you discover yes. the show. It's like, wow, good. let's go back and listen to the first show. Um, just look up Todd, and uh, he might give you another discount special just for you uh, for something else that he's doing in the future. Of course. Yeah, because you do a different theme every year with these summer camps, right? Yeah, I do summer school every year, and um, it's always different topics, and I have no idea what it's going to be next year. You know, it's always I, – I never really know until three or four months leading up to it because it, it changes so oh, much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the industry, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keeps us employed. <laughs> uh, so, 
Today we're going to be talking about uh, viral, viral videos. I was fortunate enough to be at Kylie's Pub one day and uh, you were doing an amazing presentation about basically the science or, or the strategy behind creating viral videos. So I think that would be a good subject for today. So, um, you know, for people that are looking at viral videos, I would assume that's just through YouTube or are there other options? No, you know, it's not just YouTube, and it's not just videos. It, it, this can work for um, for any kind of campaign. Obviously, things that share more easily are, are videos because it's easy for people to watch. But we've seen the same kind of interaction move with images on Facebook, which are highly viral as well, um, and other campaigns in television and so on. So um, it just tends, you know, you hear more of the viral. People say viral campaign, you think of viral videos, but mm-hmm. uh, but it works for a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, it can, it can end up getting distributed through Facebook. Uh, actually, there was one I saw today, this wonderful one. It was a little over the top, um, but it was for uh, dogs, and they had one of these uh, weird inventions that the ball travels along and a bunch of different stuff ends up smashing to other stuff. But they had dogs as part of the element as well, and it was obviously for a, a dog food company. It was It's borderline advertising, borderline viral. They, I think they went a little over the top with the, the logo of the company, the name of the company. <laughs> but still entertaining enough, and uh, I thought it did, you know, I did a, quite a, a positive review for it for other people that might be interested in watching it. Cool. So what makes viral viral? Six things, as it turns out. Um, I, I sort of undertook a, a scientific study of this about 18 months ago. Um, you know, I'm an old, uh, old I'm a former <laughs> hacker from, from my teenage years, you know. And so we, we used to gather together in these little groups called wares groups where we would reverse engineer, um, well, I'll just say it, copyrighted games and, um, and figure out a way to copy them for our friends. Um, Hopefully the statute of limitations has run out on that stuff by now. <laughs> but um, the way we did it was through reverse engineering. Was we sort of deconstructed the software that uh, from from its assembled form, and we reverse engineered it to figure out what the components that were common to the software were, uh, and then that way we could rip out the copy protection. So when viral campaigns, viral videos started getting a lot of attention, I decided to kind of use those skills as a former hacker and reverse engineer viral, mostly viral video campaigns. To see if, to sort of prove my my scientific theory that there are common characteristics to all of them. And if I could prove that, um, and uh, if I could identify what those common characteristics that were all viral videos or things that go viral are, um, then you could reassemble those components and, and make something uh, have a much more stronger success of going viral. It doesn't mean you'll be struck by lightning. You know, it doesn't mean that, that it's going to necessarily happen, but your chances will go up. And as it turns out, I did. I discovered six... Uh, elements. They're like genetic markers in a DNA patch. Uh, six markers that were common to all of the 50 viral campaigns that I reverse engineered. Hmm. Andrew, what do you think? You got a, a tough question for, for, uh, for Todd? Yeah, because um, what I've heard is that all these people are saying, well, you, the best thing to do is just to make as many videos as possible because you never... Oh. going to be viral. It's just this weird magic thing that happens. So it, let's hear what those six things are. All right, sure, and I'll just kind of plow through it one by one, and we can stop and whatever, or, or if you're bored, we can just keep on going. Well, I think just touch on you know all six. These are the six, and then let's go in more detail for one, one through six. All right, sounds good. So uh, number one is what I call ACC matching. It stands for Audience, Content, and Call to Action. ACC, Audience, Content, Call to Action. All three of those have to match for it to to be a, a significant viral candidate. And what that means is the audience of the of the piece that you're working on um, 
the you know the intended audience has to match the creative or the content of the piece, the look and feel of the video, and it also has to match the call to action. What are you trying to get people to do? So we'll come back to that if you like. That's the first. Uh, that's the A ACC matching. The second one is is it has to be a single simple concept. Viral videos that are successful. They don't have three-act structures. They don't try to develop characters. They don't even really try to tell a story in most cases, though not all. They have to be very simple, ha- taking place in one location, one very simple plot line for it to be successful. The third element is sentiment. And sentiment means the tone or the kind of material that has to be. And of the 50 that I reverse engineered, and this is, holds true, by the way, um, all of these things for, for most of the viral videos I've looked at since I did this sort of meta-analysis um, still holds true. So the third one is sentiment. And there's really three sentiment tones or factors that, that have been successful. And they are uh, the three S's. Silly, serious, or stunning. So silly is obvious. You know, that's the, that's the uh, uh, double rainbow or the um, dollar shave club. Serious work really well as well. Advocacy videos like the Dove campaigns that go viral or stunning things that are just amazing visually to look at. You, you know, the, the Mentos and Diet Coke fountains would be an example of that. So sentiment factor, which is silly, serious, or stunning. The fourth is you have to reward sharing. There's this big mythology out there that, you know, well, you get a big budget, you shoot a big thing, you get this viral video, you upload it to YouTube, and then all of a sudden it goes viral. And that's not what happens. In fact, when, we, when I looked at a lot of these viral videos, it, I discovered that to make them go viral, not only were they seeded in multiple locations, but the people were also rewarded for sharing. They actually had an incentive for sharing it. In some cases, cash. We'll come back to that if you like, though. The fifth is embrace the unofficial. Um, in many cases, when something goes viral or becomes successful, you discover that lawyers come out of the woodwork. Uh, people will um, people people will try to do things with your brand. You should embrace them, unless they're being defamatory or you know putting Hitler's mustache on your logo or something. <laughs> um, when something does something amazing with your viral video or with your brand, embrace them. Do you know? I, I, I there's this great. Um, Example of this this poor kid in Tempe, Arizona. He was a college student, and, and you know, like we all were in college, had no money for, for anything. So he built furniture out of FedEx boxes. He lived beside a dumpster, and he got all these FedEx boxes. He built furniture, and if you Google college student Arizona FedEx furniture, I'm sure you'll find photos of it. And he's lying on this couch that he built, and it looks horribly uncomfortable, but it looks really sturdy. You know, like he's it's just literally duct tape and FedEx boxes. Well, guess what FedEx did? They sent him a cease and desist. Yeah. And they said, they said, you're not using our brand well. And I, well, just idiot. Like, that was a perfect example. I mean, when you look at the picture of this, of this tall, lanky guy lying across these boxes, he's made a couch out of it. The first thing you think of is, my God, these boxes are strong. That's mm-hmm. positive for the brand. So the fifth is embrace the unofficial. When something does something amazing with your viral campaign or amazing with your brand, embrace them. In fact, maybe bring them on board the team. And the final is deliver successive rounds. The most successful viral campaigns are not ones where they just are one-hit wonders and they go away. The, the really successful ones are ones where they keep on giving. There's more to it. You know, the, you remember the old Spice Guy commercials that went viral? Mm. And that was a television campaign first. That actually didn't go viral until successive rounds began being delivered by the 
strategy team. Um, one of them was he they would write custom tweets for people of high clout, of high influence, and they had this guy in a studio, and he would tweet little 10-second messages back. You may remember he, he tweeted or he sent a, a message out, a video message to Kevin Rose, a very famous internet entrepreneur, and of course that guy retweeted it. So it's these successive rounds that are really successful. So those six are, again, just really briefly, ACC matching, that's audience content and call to action, all three have to match, has to be a single simple concept, the sentiment factor is important, silly, serious, or stunning, you need to incentivize sharing or reward sharing, the fifth is embrace the unofficials when they show up, and finally deliver successive rounds. And if you if you missed all that, if you just go to my site, Todd Maffin, actually, go, I think the I think I still own the domain deconstructingviral.com uh, has has more information on it. Hmm. Well, you know that, that's interesting because the 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 thing that uh, I was listening to somebody the other day, and they're saying, look, if you would, uh, create anything for the internet, a blog post, um, a campaign, anything, that is another product, and you have to market. Your marketing, and I think a lot of people don't realize when when creating viral uh, campaigns or trying to uh, stimulate a campaign to make it go viral it takes a lot of energy and planning and strategy in the back end before you actually roll out the actual product itself. Yeah. Do you think you can get away with just bashing off a bunch of videos and hoping, keeping your fingers crossed that it's gonna gonna happen, or is it better to? look at it on a much more professional level and say, look, okay, this is our goal. How can we get to that goal? Will viral work for us? The answer to that question, Bob, is do you have unlimited money? (laughs) If the the answer is yes, then yeah, knock off a couple, shoot them up there and see what happens. Most people who are in the business world do not have unlimited money. We have to, you know, report ROI uh, metrics to our bosses. We at least have to measure it if it's our own. So no, uh, you know, planning is definitely a better approach. Look, there are always going to be one hit wonders out there, right? I mean, the Double Rainbow, which was not a a corporate campaign, but just this one hit wonder. This guy in the woods saw this Double Rainbow and it moved him to tears literally if you haven't seen the video it's worth seeing but there's an example of something again where it didn't pick up by itself that sat on youtube for a year before jimmy kimmel found it and tweeted it and it wasn't until jimmy kimmel tweeted that link that the video went viral so yeah if you've got tons of money sure you know play around and knock it off but otherwise plan it you know figure out how are we going to incentivize sharers what are we going to do when we get attacked and all those things I also like that because um, if you do get a viral video and it's not targeting an audience that's going to benefit your business, it's a big waste of time as well. It's a huge like, waste of time. Yeah, because millions and millions of people watch your video, uh, and they're not even uh, potential customers. Yeah, this is why do- the the video. If if you Google Dollar Shave Club video, is such a great video. Is that it was funny? It was um, well produced. It was really funny. Um, yeah, but it sold razors, you know. It did really well. Uh, unlike other ones, I mean, you know, one of the example that I use in in the keynote I give on this is this um, <laughs> this picture, if you will, a group of about um, fifteen or twenty white guys dressed up as bumblebees, <laughs> and they're and they're dancing around and rapping. And I stopped the video after about thirty. 30 seconds or so and I ask the people in the audience what is this a video for and then you know they guess Honey Nut Cheerios and they guess Honey and they guess Beehives and it's none of those it's, it's a video it's a commercial for Haagen-Dazs wow. and the reason that they did it is they were trying to raise money because uh, the, the global population of honeybees is actually in decline they're actually almost an endangered species so mm. Haagen-Dazs decides listen if we don't have honeybees in the world they're not going to pollinate fruit trees poorer quality Poorer quality fruit trees equals poorer quality fruit ice cream and so on. But there's an example of that first one I mentioned, ACC matching, where those three did not align for Haagen-Dazs, and therefore that campaign did not go viral. 
you think about all three of those, ACC, the first is the audience. So who is the audience of Haagen-Dazs, right? It's, it's adults. They're generally affluent, up middle class, upper, upper class. You know, they're not generally price sensitive. They prefer natural products. So that's the A, that's the audience. The C is the campaign's target, the creative or the content. Who is the target of that? Well, the, the, the music is these guys dancing around rapping to this really bad electronica music. So who responds best to that? Not adults, but teens, young adults who are budget conscious, who are not concerned with natural foods and their uh, natural products and their foods. They're not the audience for Haagen-Dazs. And then the third didn't match either, which is the call to action. What did we want this ad to do? It wasn't go buy ice cream. It wasn't, hey, kid, start a rap career. It was give money to this environmental cause. So who's the audience for that? People who donate to environmental campaigns, people who are aware of global climate change issues. All three of those are different audiences. Mm. Therefore, it didn't match. There was no ACC matching. That campaign was a bomb. Um, you know, it, it goes to the second point, too. You know, uh, simple. Have a, a, sim, a single idea, a single communication piece, and make it simple. Trying to get the point across simply. Um, a lot of problems happen when you get into that type of sophistication because the simpler and the more focused the actual message, the harder it is to pull off. And what most people don't understand is they think it's easier if it's simple. It's actually much harder to be simple. It's much harder, yeah. That's, that's why that's the second one, the single simple concept. And you know, a great example of this, if you Google um, uh, inspired by Iceland viral video, uh, and it is a video, it's a, one of the best tourism destination marketing viral videos I've ever seen. Uh, it promotes uh, Iceland. All it is is various shots of people all over Iceland, you know, some in streams, some in forests, some on boats, some outside pubs, dancing poorly. Not, they're not <laughs> even good dancers. They're just, they were, it was clear that someone pointed a camera at them and just say, just kind of go crazy. And it lasts about two minutes long, and it's really good. It's very simple, right? It's a single concept. There's people dancing. That's all is happening in the video. But you see mossy beaches, hot springs, natural geysers, fly fishing, Vikings, passenger ferries, uh, uh, beaches, rural villages, farming, choirs, parkours, diving. I'm reading some of this now. Cave exploring, whitewater rafting, nightlife, lighthouses. I mean, you see all of this in about a two-minute video. It's brilliant because it showcases everything of Iceland. But the only, there's only one thing happening in this video is that the people are just dancing. Mm. Andrew? No, I, I, I like that. Uh, so if you put all these things together, uh, it increases the odds of going viral. How, how, you said that you could do this with other forms of media or, or, or other uh, mediums to get your message across. What, what is an example of, of companies being successful with, say, audio or, or uh, say, a blog post or something like that? You know, I, the research that I did into it, these 50 were strictly were, were, were uh, viral videos. So I didn't do a ton of research into other, other stuff. However, that said, um, I've got a website called Case Studies Online. It's 100% free. It's just one big, huge database of social media and digital marketing case studies. And so if you go to casestudiesonline.com and just pull down the tactics menu and select viral marketing, you'll get all sorts of stuff. It's, it's basically my repository for the research that I kind of do periodically. So you'll get all sorts of examples of non-web stuff there. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, and, you know, I have to say as well, you know, just a caveat, just because you implement these six doesn't mean it's going to happen for you. All this does <laughs> is increase the chances. Now, it, it will increase your chances, 
but it it's not a you know I always tell people you know that it's, it, people will say it's like being struck by lightning or, or that it's very random. Well, be, being struck by lightning is not random at all. When you think about it, if you want to be struck by lightning, <laughs> yeah, you can work on it. You can. There are things you can do to increase your chances of being struck by lightning. You know, the guy who who holds the world record for being struck by lightning more times than anyone else in the world is this fellow. Um, uh, named, uh, am I going to forget his name now? Roy Sullivan is his name. He's a park ranger in Virginia, or was. He's retired now. He's been struck by lightning seven times but, and survived. But, you know, the reason, people always say, why was he so randomly unlucky? It wasn't random at all. Think about a park ranger. He's outside all the time. So his chances have just gone up, you know, compared to us who work indoors. He's a park ranger, so he's around forested areas and big clearings. He worked in Virginia, which is a, a corridor, a number of one of the corridor states where there's a lot of thunder and lightning activity. So there are things you can do to increase your chances of being struck by lightning. This operates on the exact same principle. You're not going to necessarily hit it out, out of the park, but you are guaranteed to dramatically increase your chance. You know, and, and I, I think uh, on top of that, I would say, you know, try and doing a, a, a viral video send it out there, see what type of results you get, and then you know, step back from your ego and analyze and say, have we hit these key points? Could we have done a better job? Maybe our timing was just off. Tweak it a little bit and try again. Yeah, and conversion track as well. You know, I mean, make sure that there are links in your YouTube video, if that's where it is, where there's a product page where people can buy. Uh, even if you're just running a, a small viral campaign or a campaign that you want to go viral on, on Facebook, Facebook ads now have uh, conversion tracking built in. So you can say... Um, you know, here's my website. Let's say that you sell, well, let's say it's, you're the Dollar Shave company. You sell razors. On the thank you for buying page, you put a little bit of code. And Facebook and all these sites, will Google as well, will give you this little bit of code. And it basically says to these advertising engines like Facebook and Google and AdRoll, basically says, okay, someone's bought it, bought something based on the ad they saw. So you can track and then you can find out what your per conversion or per sale cost of acquisition is, which is really important. Mm. Um, sentiment. Mm. Uh, out of those three, which is probably which is the biggest, or are they basically even? They're not even. Um, silly is um, is the most likely to go viral from a numbers point of view, um, and we see that with. I mean, you, I, I mean, there's fifty <laughs> silly ones I can name off the top of my head: Chocolate Rain, Double Rainbow, Dollar Shave Club. They're all they're all silly and fun. So if you're looking at numbers, pure reach, that is. Um, you'll get a, a stronger reach on something that's silly. However, if you are trying to target specific communities and you're looking for emotional impact, then serious works a lot better. Um, you know, a, a really good campaign I mentioned earlier is the Dove campaign. I don't know if everyone, uh, wherever you're listening in the world, has seen these ads, um, but Dove is a um, manufacturer of soap and all sorts of stuff and, and beauty products, and they undertook a great campaign. And this one particular one that I studied as part of this research um, is this woman who sits in front of a makeup mirror. She's obviously just come in. She doesn't have her hair up or makeup on or anything. And then proceeds, there's a time lapse, which looks like it's recorded over the course of about an hour and a half, but it only takes about a minute. And it shows them, you know, putting makeup on her and doing this. And then you see the same thing happening where they've adjusted her face in Photoshop and they lift her eyebrows and they do this. And, and she comes out looking really quite different than she walked in. And the tagline at the end is sometimes, or it says, no wonder our perception of beauty is distorted. Mm. Um, amazing campaign. Here's something that most people don't realize. That only ran on TV twice. 
Wow. In the history of the ad, it only ran on TV Toy. But everyone will say, well, that was this great TV ad. Actually, no, it, but it was a serious ad, so it didn't necessarily have the same reach that a, that a, a silly or a stunning ad would or, or a viral video, but it has that emotional impact. People identify with it, right? It's advocacy-based marketing. So someone who says, yeah, I'm that woman, I'm curvy and I'm proud of it, would share this, and therefore you get a much stronger uh, uptake within those smaller but more importantly targeted communities. Also, small bit of, of trivia, um, that campaign took the top honors at the, at the Cannes Festival uh, for the Lions, which are their ads. It won top honors in both the cyber and film categories, the first time in the festival's history that the same execution won in two categories. Wow. Cool. At, at, at what point is a video viral? Like, what, is, there a, is there a number that um, it has to hit in order to be considered a viral video? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, viral video, making something go viral shouldn't be your goal. Um, your goal should be selling 100 widgets or it should be, you know, filling our board of director seats or whatever your actual objective is. So I would say your viral video is a success when you achieve the objectives you set up. Now, it's a very boring MBA answer for you. Um, obviously, I would love to say, hey, when you, when you hit 100,000 or you hit a million, it's great. But, you know, we know that those thresholds are really different in different countries. You know, the, if you want a, a best-selling book in Canada only has to sell like something like 2,000 copies or something, really small number, <laughs> <laughs> pathetically small. Um, in fact, it may even be smaller than that to become a bestseller. But that's because our audience size is different, and that's not necessarily the goal that they're going for. So, you know, wh- how do you know your viral video is a success? When there's lots of positive buzz about it in the communities or markets that matter to you, and you're seeing some uplift on the objectives you've set for that viral video. Hmm. Boring answer, but it's the real one. Hmm. And, and what about if, say, say you produce 100 videos over time, and uh, would it be better to have 100 videos that have, say, uh, 10,000 to 20,000 views over a number of years, or 99 videos that have 15 to 20 views, and one video that is a hit out of the park at, say, a million or two million views. I think it depends, again, on, on really, I hate to keep coming back to it, it depends on your objectives. It depends on those and, your, and the audience segments that you're working with. Um, a brand like Pepsi, where they are one international global brand, they do a lot of, they, they don't really care about conversions. In fact, they can't track conversions, right? So it's not like, it's not like you see a, an ad for, or, you know, in your Facebook news feed, Pepsi posts something and you click a link and and they deliver you a can of Pepsi because you've bought it online with your Visa card. I'm sure they'd love to be able to do that. They could track their conversions down to the, down to the tenth of a cent. You can't do that with global brands like that. So if you're a big, huge, monster global brand, you probably only need one or two because you only have one big, huge audience. You've got sub-audience as well, but they generally respond to one overall brand message. Um, if you're a smaller organization and you've got different audience groups, then then I would prepare different messages. You know, my company, Engage Q Digital, we work with a number of clients. One of them is OK Tire, the national chain of, of, um, uh, of tire stores. We manage their internet marketing for them. We, go, we are secretly the people that do the posting on their page. And if you mention OK Tire, it's myself or a team member will tweet back to you. Um, and they've got different audience groups. You know, they've got, they've got one audience segment where they're trying to reach people who are uh, in the market for new tires. Um, they've got people who are in the market for starting a company and they're interested in a franchise. There's another uh, market of people uh, who are farm owners and they're looking for equipment maintenance because that's another branch that they do. So in that case, this is an extreme example, I would recommend segmenting out those videos because they're going to be very – you would never say the same thing to someone looking for to get their – 
you know, their Mazda's tire rotated than you would for someone who's looking to invest, you know, a couple thousand dollars into starting an Oki tire branch. Hmm. Guys, we're we're running uh, short on time, so I just want to quickly go over the last uh, three points, which is the reward for sharing, uh, the embrace, the unofficial, and um, what have I got here in my scribbles? Um, serious. What's the four, What's the uh, sixth one, Todd? Uh, the, deliver successive rounds. Thank you. Successive yes. rounds. Um, do, do those three tie together, or are they all kind of separate? They're kind of separate, they but small. I can go through them quick if you like. Sure. Yeah. So reward sharing, it, don't don't foster under the illusion, um, the magical illusion that people will share your video just because you put it up there. There are some out-of-the-park hits that do that, like Dollar Shave Club I keep coming back to because I love it. Um, but in most cases, in fact, the vast majority of the 50 that I analyzed for this research, um, they incentivize sharing. So let me give you an example of, of, of two, two really brief examples. One is Doritos. Doritos came up in Canada with this campaign a couple of years ago where they printed this um, – uh, uh, Doritos potato chip bag, and all it had was a big question mark on it. Didn't have the it didn't have the um, uh, the flavor listed at all. Just a big question mark. And it was a contest. And the contest was: you tell us what the flavor sh- is and should be called, and we will give you one percent of global sales of this product forever. And you, <laughs> they don't do that anymore because it's a, a too it was too rich an offer. Um, and then you had to produce a viral uh, a thirty second video. That, that first campaign they did, did, not, did not really pick up steam because they expected that people would see these videos that people were producing for them and they would share them on their own. And it really didn't happen that way. So the following year, they changed it. And this way, instead of just getting points for, um, for people you know, just, just voting for your video, which is how it worked before, is it was on a point system. So if you got um, a unique view on YouTube, that was worth five points. If you got to be the highest, biggest, mostest in any major site category like YouTube or Dig, you got a thousand points. Um, if you showed up in the top five for Doritos virality in a Google search, you got a thousand points. So they incentivized sharing, right? They rewarded that that sharing. So and that helped it spread. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Really quickly, a great example I saw was just rewarding people randomly. Uh, Wheat Thins did this a couple of years ago, where they had. Um, they just looked for people who were tweeting about wheat thins, and they ran into this. Um, they, they literally ambushed them. They knocked on the door of this young nurse who was obviously, you know, in her scrubs, ready to go to work. And they said, "Are you Tabitha?" And she says, "Yes." They said, "Yeah, well, we got your tweet um, about you being out of Doritos, or uh, sorry, out of wheat thins. We don't want that to happen, so we brought some for you." And up pulls this gigantic forklift, forklift with thousand boxes of wheat thins in there. <laughs> that video went viral. Because, all, because what that was was it incentivized sharing, right? It asked people to tweet about the brand because it said, hey, maybe if you tweet about us, we'll do something like this for you as well. Mm. Um, embrace the unofficial. Yeah, so people are going to do things with your brand. They're going to mix up your, your viral video. They're going to um, uh, do things you, you may not want. Uh, unless it is clearly a legal issue, like it's defamatory or it's you know claiming that there's glass in your Dr. Pepper or whatever. Um, embrace them, bring them on your team. You know, uh, that said, the worst thing you can do is to just hire the same talent and have them do exactly the same thing for you. The double rainbow guy, um, who wept when he saw this double rainbow was actually hired by Microsoft to produce a video, um, for them about one of their camera applications or camera picture taking (laughs) software. And all he did was he, he did the exact same thing. He just said, Oh, it's a beautiful rainbow. It was horrible. Um, and it didn't go viral. Microsoft thought it would be 
everywhere because hey, we got the double rainbow guy. But the reason it didn't work was they they did the right thing. They embraced the you know they embraced this amateur guy, but they didn't up the ante. They didn't bring anything new to the table. Mm. Um, so um, so two things really is if you're gonna hire talent of someone who's done a viral video on their own, bring something more. Have them do something more than just recreate the existing ad. Um, you know the Numa Numa guy who. Uh, who danced to this crazy kind of song and it went viral, the Geico people hired him and he did essentially the same thing to a different song and the only difference was the little gecko was dancing in the background too. It was so stupid and it didn't go viral. They thought they had a huge hit on their hands. But if you do something and it, and um, and people do crazy things with it like that guy uh, with the FedEx boxes, embrace them, bring him on your team, send him you know, a hundred more boxes, give them a flip cam. I guess they don't exist anymore, but give them a camera to take pictures of them, make them a VIP, give them a tour for the day of your factory. I mean, these are people with influence. Embrace these people. Don't send a lawyer after them. Worst thing you could do. Well, and that's also the next point, which is successive rounds. That kind of feeds into that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's those successive rounds that really pick up steam. Do you remember, now your American listeners aren't going to know this brand, but here in Canada, we have a brand of cereal called Shreddies. And um, um, to Americans, they kind of look like like Czechs, um, which is a brand that we don't have. But anyway, um, Shreddies did this great campaign a number of years ago where they just twisted. They, they showed, uh, you know, their square, their little squares. And in all the marketing is they twisted it on a 45 degree angle and they called them Diamond Shreddies. They were exactly, <laughs> I remember that. Remember yeah. those? They, they were exactly the same Shreddies. They, they, there was no difference. The product, they just twisted it on the box. And you could go into the market, but you could go into Safeway or a supermarket and buy a box of Diamond Shreddies. And it was a huge hit. Um, but that campaign didn't go viral until they began delivering successive rounds. And one of the ones they did was they came out with this ad of a guy who purportedly is the marketing director of, um, of Shreddies reading out all these complaint letters they got. Real letters, by the way. What are you talking about Diamond Shreddies? It's just on its side. How stupid could you be? I'd like to see how much money you spend on these stupid Diamond Shreddy ads. So he says, well, you know, our, our flat rate was, or our growth rate of the product was, was small until we did this. And you see this square of a chart. And he says, and then it picked up dramatically when we introduced the market. And all they did was they twisted the chart on its side as well to make it look like <laughs> So that was the second round, and now it starts to pick up wind because people are, are getting up on it. And the third round, and there were a number of them, my favorite round that they did was about a month after that. For people who could not decide between the square shreddies and the diamond shreddies, which I have to stress again were completely identical, <laughs> um, they came out with the combo pack. <laughs> <laughs> and you could go to the supermarket and buy the combo pack, and it had on the box, it said, um, uh, together at last, diamonds and squares in the same box. It was brilliant. <laughs> By the way, it was an intern, a, a, a young intern that came up with that idea for the ad agency. Wow. So, and they had a number of these. Rounds. So the more they kept pushing it, the more it went. And, uh, and that was, that was a su- number of successive rounds. Think of it like a boxing match, guys, right? How many, time, how many rounds are there in a boxing match? Ten rounds? How well, many if, times- if they can last, yeah. If they can last. How many times do, do, do they walk in there, they punch the guy, and the guy lo- is knocked out? Rarely, right? Rarely happens. People win boxing fights because they continue to beat down their opponent. It's, a, you know, it's, it's more, it's punch to the head, punch to the head, punch. And then by about the eighth or ninth round, the guy finally falls. That's how you should treat a viral campaign. Deli- plan for and deliver scheduled successive rounds that builds on the initial campaign. Yeah, because if you swing for the knockout, you can get knocked out yourself. 
Yeah, exactly. in fact, there's a great there's a great video. It's not a viral video. There's a great video of a guy doing that. He misses and punches himself in the face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happened uh, last week with uh, in the UFC with uh, Silva. He targeted his opponent and he got punched in the face and knocked out. Oops! Oh my God. Oops! <laughs> hey guys, that's all the time we got for this amazing interview. But you know what? Let's uh, let's ask Todd uh, to come back, and uh, we'll we'll have him on another show because obviously he has a lot of amazing information, uh, very valuable. Uh, so, Todd, do you, do you think you could come back for another show? I'd be happy to. That'd be awesome. So, from us here in Mavenland. Thank you for listening. We always appreciate it. Uh, you can leave us a comment or note. Hey, Andrew, how do people leave us a comment or note? Uh, well, if you want to leave voicemail feedback, you can call one 636 1474 You can go to maveninterviews.com and uh, check us out there. Leave a, leave a note in the comments. Or you can email us uh, at our contact page on maveninterviews.com. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thanks again, Todd. Thank you, Andrew. And adios for me. All right. Adios. We hope you enjoyed the show, and I'm sure you will love our next guest. But until then, visit the website at maveninterviews.com for more information and links to iTunes, Twitter, and other social media platforms. If you would like to leave a message, please call 1-877-636-1474. You never know, it might be you featured on the show. Music